This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Brian Lager talks about living to die. What happens to us when we die? What will our body be like at the resurrection? Well, let's find out. Father Brian is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. Let us welcome in Father Brian Logger to the show. Welcome, Father. How are you doing today? I am well. How are you? Good, good, good. You weren't uh, sure you were going to know what you were doing since I'm your first in-person guest. So. Yeah, I probably don't know what I'm doing, but uh, people have to listen to me because I'm the one on the air. <laughs> so, um, Father Brian Logger and I know each other a little bit. Um, it, it, it's uh, been good to know him. Um, I obviously don't have a huge um, intro for you, Father, but um, I'll read what I got here. Father Brian Logger has been a priest for nine years, serving his 11th parish. Is that right? Something You've served like in 11? parishes how do you even keep track i don't know where i've been (laughs) (laughs) i've been in a lot of different places so yes it's uh it's my i think let's see it's like my fourth assignment and uh because in and because of my fourth assignment all those parishes have had um other parishes associated with them and so uh and so yes it's something like my 11th parish or something like that but it's my first parish my first parish uh, my first parish that I haven't had a second parish. So um, for the first time in my life as a uh, priest, I haven't had to drive for mass somewhere else. So um, it's uh, that's that's quite nice on a Sunday morning, not having to worry about getting in my car and going somewhere. <laughs> that's going to be kind of nice. And you're at uh, Sacred Heart in uh, Colby right that now, That is correct? correct, yes, yes. Okay. Well, uh, Father Logger here, um, you know, usually we have some notes as to what our guests are going to be doing. He didn't want me to have any notes <laughs> to just kind of quiz me, I think. Oh, let's um, be honest. We'll it's, it's because I couldn't come up with a topic. <laughs> Or maybe that. <laughs> and uh, and then the topic was a last-minute topic, and thus there are no questions. So. so, Which is why Be Not Afraid fits for Father Brian Lager, because he was going, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, that's and the Holy Spirit the was like, just wait, I'll get it to you. So, yeah, so my, my topic is uh, um, I've been reading, actually, at the beginning of November, uh, a little bit before November, uh, I bought these two books, Hope to Die, by Scott Hahn, which came out uh, actually right in the midst of COVID last year. He didn't intend for it to come out during COVID because he was writing it through 2018, 2019, and then uh, COVID hit, and that's when it came out. And then the other one is The Four Last Things by Father Wade Menezes, which has been out for a few years. Father Wade Menezes' book, uh, Father Wade Menezes is a father of mercy from Kentucky, and you hear him on EWT, and I believe he's the host of... um, it's the two o'clock hour um, on Tuesdays. I forget what the name of that show is. Um, called to, it's not called the community. It's the other one. Uh, Open line. That's what there it is. There you go. And um, and so uh, words to remember. What's that? Open line. Those yes. Are tough. <laughs> tough words. <laughs> and uh, and so the and so it's a phenomenal book. It's purely on the Catholic teaching on the four last things, which is death, uh, judgment, heaven, and hell. And uh, and so that's kind of what my uh, kind of talk is going to be on. Um, 
partly because, like I said, I, I bought the books before November to be able to be better prepared for homilies during November talking about the four last things. As November is the month dedicated to praying for the souls in purgatory, so thinking of the dead and thinking of All Saints Day and to what we are called. And so, so that's why I got the books, and that's kind of the topic for today. So you're telling me that there's a hell. There's a hell, wow, Cody. That's, that's news, huh? <laughs> you <laughs> maybe you should go back to RCIA. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe I should stop. <laughs> uh, but where's Chad? We got to see if you should even be teaching anymore. <laughs> So obviously I say that a little facetiously, um, and I don't know where your talk is going to go, but um, I did bring that up because it is, it is it's actually very, um, it's kind of the chic thing today is, right. oh, you know, ha, you know, hell, um, the church really doesn't even, they're, they're, I, I've listened to um, Catholic people um, in not too distant past um, speak about, well, that that's kind of an old teaching of the church. Right. Like, Wait, what? Right. Where did you have? Have you not read the Bible? Yeah, right. <laughs> it, I think Jesus mentions hell more than heaven. I believe, if yeah. I if I remember correctly, um, I could be wrong about that, but I do know that he mentions it a lot. Yes, and, and so like I said, I don't know where um, your talk may go, but I did want to kind of start with that. Is um, it seems popular for people to want to kind of water things down so that um, it seems more ingestible. Um, the funny thing is. To me, it seems when you water down the truth, you're actually watering it with poison. You're, yeah, right. You're not. It's not better for a person. They may think that it's tasty, sure. but it, anyway, it'd, it'd be like taking half the medicine that the doctor prescribes for you. Oh, very Why good. am I not getting better? Well, because you're only taking half the medicine. <laughs> exactly. So. Okay, so without um, further ado, we are here with Father Brian Logger on Divine Mercy Radio. Father, what do you got for us? Sure. So uh, the four last things, number one, is, uh, is an ancient teaching of the church, and, uh, and it's one that uh, maybe we don't talk enough about. And I think in our day and age, it, it became very prevalent last year. You know, death became very front and center as COVID kind of reigned uh, last year. Uh, the last two years, and as as the media try, is really trying to keep it in in the forefront of our minds, um, and trying to really bring about a fear within us, I think uh, it's good for us to talk about what death really is, and uh, and talk about what death really is. There, there's a need to talk about also the body and the soul, and who we are as humans. And uh, I'm probably not going to do as much of that as maybe we should, which is kind of the the base to be able to talk about what what death is actually about. But also then, it also requires us to talk about uh, redemption and what Christ has done for us. But uh, I'm not really going to talk about that either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to talk so, about? So <laughs> I, m- mostly, uh, I want to talk about death, uh, what death is, uh, what it isn't, and then judgment and purgatory and then heaven. And I'm uh, not really going to spend, you know, we joke about hell at the beginning here. I'm not really going to talk about hell that much because uh, hell is really just the opposite of heaven. And so once yeah. we kind of outline what heaven is, we can kind of get the sense of what hell is, um, just the negative of what of all the positives of, of what heaven is. So so that's that. That's kind of that's where we're going to head into, and that's kind of the plan uh, for today. But, okay. you know, as, as things go, as you know, I didn't give you questions, so you're welcome to jump in and ask questions whenever. So uh, as long as you don't get me too off topic. Awesome. So. No, I just thought it was great that anybody that's just tuning in just heard you said, we're going to talk about death. <laughs> right. Like, that's yeah, all that right. they may have heard. <laughs> now we're just going to talk about death today. <laughs> you okay, know, great. So I, I think it's an, I think it's a very obvious fact that uh, we're all going to die. You know, there, it's one of those common facts uh, of humanity that we live and we die. 
and uh, and what happens in between is then really kind of up to us. But uh, but in some ways we don't have a choice about living. We don't really have a choice about dying. They're both going to happen to us. And you know some people say that that's the thing about taxes too, right? Um, <laughs> death and taxes. It's the only thing you can't get out that's of. Right. So. <laughs> But uh, but so that that's a common experience to all of us, and and the fact that it's so common to us, it's, it's interesting that we know so little about it, um, because well, once we get to the other side of that, it's not like we come back <laughs> and, and we have people telling us, oh yeah, this this is what happened yeah. to death. Uh, the only person that's done that really is Jesus, <laughs> and, uh, and you know Mary, of course, with her with her visions that people have had of her, but uh, but she never really talks about death. Well, ultimately, she probably didn't die. Um, or whatever the tradition is um, on that. You know, she uh, lived and then went to heaven. And the process in between, we are unsure on. But, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, that's that's the thing. And so it's like this mystery. It's this thing that, that we're all going to do, and we don't know that much about it. And so the, the church outlines a few things for us to help us to understand what that is and what's actually going on uh, with, with death. And so I think it's important that we state uh, just the very principle of the fact that we are a body and a soul. Um, our soul is our life-giving principle. And our soul being our life, life-giving principle is, is what makes us alive. And yes, you know, we could look at the physical and the material aspects of who we are. Our heart beating, pumping blood through our body is necessary for us to be alive. Our, our brain stimulating and all the neurological stuff going on, stimulating our heart to do what it's supposed to do is, uh, is, is what makes us alive. But, but what makes us alive, what makes us who we are is our soul. And so at the moment of our death, what happens is our, is our body and our soul separate. Our soul leaves our body, and uh, and our body is left to decay. Father John Hardin, who's a phenomenal writer and a great, uh, uh, not not a saint, but maybe someday will be. I don't know. But uh, but there's some great stuff that he writes. He says this: Death is a cessation of the bodily functions of a human being through the departure of the soul. It is part of revelation that in the present order of divine providence, death is a punishment for sin. According to the teaching of the church, death is a consequence of Adam's sin, as declared by St. Paul. Sin entered the world through one man, and through sin, death. That's from Romans chapter 5, verse 12. In the case of those justified by grace, death loses its penal character and becomes a mere consequence of sin. All human beings, therefore, are subject to death. Death is also the end of human probation or testing of one's loyalty to God. It ends all possibility of merit or demerit. Properly speaking, only the body dies when separated from its principle of life, which is what I said before, that our soul is our principle of life, and when it separates from our body, we die. However, the Bible speaks of a second death, Revelation chapter 20, verse 6, referring to the souls in hell who are separated from their principle of supernatural life, which is God. I love that. Love that right there. You know, we have our principle of life, which is our soul, which is ultimately created by God because it's the immaterial aspect of who we are. But then we are given supernatural life on this world. We're given supernatural life through baptism, but that supernatural life can be lost. Uh, We lose that through mortal sin. Mortal sin kills the sanctifying grace within us. Uh, Mortal sin kills that uh, supernatural life within us. And so we are far from God at that point. And if we die in unrepentant mortal sin, that's when we experience eternal death. Uh, if we die in the state of grace, if we die in in life with God, then we experience heaven and eternal life. So, a couple of quick things for you. Sure. Then, um, you know, first off, I would say it's good to have a healthy dose of fear. 
Um, yeah. You know, kind of like um, with your parents, um, you know, especially dad a lot of, well, moms too. Um, <laughs> it's good to have a healthy dose of, I don't want to get punished, uh, you know. Yes. But, it, but it's better to say, I don't want to experience that because it means loss of love. Right. And so, um, as you were talking about death here, um, I wondered, uh, and if you would give me your thoughts, you said we don't know much about death. Do you think that's what causes some of the fear surrounding death? Probably. But also, I think a lot of people live a life contrary to God. Uh-huh. And so, they have that, they realize it. So, we all have that natural desire for God, right? Yep. And, uh, and we have the desire for the supernatural, whatever we call that supernatural <laughs> being. Even, even an atheist, in some ways, longs yeah. for something that is outside of themselves, something that is eternal, yeah. because we're created for eternity. And so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think there's a fear of, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to deal with whatever happens next. Yeah. And, uh, and there's also the fear of what does happen next. And the, and the fear of the unknown is very frightening to us. And, uh, and I think, that, I think that's, that's where our Christianity comes into play, is that there is less unknown uh, in, in the aspect of death. Jesus has shown us the way to the Father. Jesus has shown us the way through death. Uh, but he also shows us that eternal life doesn't happen without death. And death is, like says, it has, uh, like Father John Harden says, there is a penal character in the sense that uh, because of sin, we had to die. Death is in some way God's mercy upon us so that we could actually then end the suffering of this life and then go to a life that has no suffering. But there's also the aspect of we have to know what it is that's going to give us that eternal life. And Jesus shows us that as well. And so death is this passageway into eternity that... Uh, that can be frightening for, yeah. the, for those who don't live according to God or, uh, or live a uh, lukewarm life for God as well. It's also frightening for those who are lukewarm. So I would say it's probably that fear. And yes, I think, I think ultimately there is that healthy fear of, of like a, a fear of parents. Like I can think when uh, probably, probably the time that uh, there was a time in when I was in high school that, that I did something that my parents, they didn't yell at me, which was rare. Because uh, usually oh, when we did, is going. whenever we did something wrong, typically mom and dad would yell at us, right? But they sat me down and they said, "We're just disappointed. Yeah, like we we raised you." And and I think that hurt more than uh, than them yelling at me. Like yelling, I'm used to that. Whatever, and you just kind of blow it off. But when they actually say, "We expected more and we're disappointed," that cuts deeper. And yeah. so if we live our life contrary to God's law for most of our life, or if we live in unrepentant mortal sin, it, it's, it's not about God yelling at us and God's justice coming down upon us. It's really the fact that we disappoint God in some ways, who is our Heavenly Father. And as he, as he looks upon us, he looks upon us with love. And just like a child, uh, think of your children, Cody, they, uh, they're always wanting to please you, right? And they're always like, Dad, Dad, look at me. Dad, Dad, look, look, <laughs> look what happen, I'm doing. Yeah. Until they get to be teenagers and they <laughs> don't care. Um, oh, Dad, but, do you still live here? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but, when, but when, as little children, you know, we're constantly wanting to please our parents. And, and so in some ways in our life, we should want to, we should want to desire to please our God. And, uh, and when God looks down upon us, he wants to be pleased by us. And, and he wants us to be happy. And he wants us to live in the freedom in which he has created us. And, uh, and we continue to mess that up and he continues to love us in order to allow us back into his freedom if we just go back to him 
if we just yeah. go back to him in the sacraments and the confession especially. So Yeah, you brought up the word lukewarmness, and every time I hear that, I think you probably know where I'm going to go, where we have the words in Scripture. Yeah, say, Revelation 21 or something like that. Somewhere yeah. right in there. Yeah, um, yeah I can... But yeah, um, anybody who out there um, knows that knows what I'm about to say because you are neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And I've heard that the, a better translation is actually spew, like I'm going to vomit, vomit you yeah. out of my mouth. So yeah. we're being told that um, we are incompatible with the body of Christ if we're if we're living that you know the culture of today is that culture like sure. yeah you know maybe I'll take Christ maybe I won't. it's not really a big deal um, but but we're given that dire warning of right. like no it's a really big deal because we make ourselves incompatible right. but I love how you put it because yes as a father I've yelled too many times um, you know sometimes you just want to yell you're like that was really stupid what were you thinking <laughs> you know but there are those times where even as a parent when you're dis disappointed it is even worse as a parent to be disappointed rather than angered yeah as a parent you're just like you know sometimes you don't have the words and you do just kind of sigh like yeah man i was i was really hoping you would overcome that better yeah so yeah yeah, we're we're constantly in some ways constantly surprised by sin right (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah shouldn't i understand what you're saying yes shouldn't shouldn't be we are fallen (laughs) But uh, but also the realization that, oh, man, God gives us so many opportunities for redemption. Uh, he gives us so many opportunities to come back to him and if we just come back to him. Yeah. And, and that was the wonderful thing about my parents. They forgave me. And, uh, and you know, they didn't kick me out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> probably should have. <laughs> uh, it's probably a few months later that I went to college and, and probably still made a lot of stupid mistakes. But uh, they didn't know about as many of them at that point. So... <laughs> so you know, in, in paragraphs uh, 1007, 8, and 9 of the Catechism, kind of tells us what death is in a, in a, in a real way, uh, like Father John Hardin. So just to go into those, 1007 says, Death is the end of earthly life. Our lives are measured by time in the course of which we change, grow old, and as with all living beings on earth, death seems like the normal end of life. That aspect of death lends urgency to our lives. Remember our, remembering our mortality helps us realize that we have only a limited time in which to bring our lives to fulfillment. A few years ago, there was a, uh, well, you were teaching in high school and junior high, and so you know this saying, you know, it's big for all the kids to say YOLO, right? Yeah. You only live once. Mm-hmm. And when the kids were saying it, I, I was like, that. Uh, me too. Uh, and so I'd always respond by saying, YODO, you only die once too. <laughs> and, um, and so you better, you better live in the, way, in the way that you want to die. And uh, if you're living your life in a, in a, in a way in which it kind of meant, you know, take chances, uh, do whatever, you know, uh, go and have all the pleasure you want, mm-hmm. uh, is ultimately kind of was the, what was insinuated by that. Yeah. But if you live as if you're going to die and that you're going to have to face that reality of death, that brings about other consequences and other, other decisions. But 1008 says, death is a consequence of sin. The church's magisterium, as authentic interpreter of the affirmation of scripture and tradition, teaches that death entered the world on account of man's sin. Even though man's nature is mortal, God had destined him not to die. Death was therefore contrary to the plans of God the Creator and entered the world as a consequence of sin. Bodily death, from which man would would have been immune had he not sinned, is thus the last enemy of man left to be conquered. Even though, you know, we weren't created to die, it's interesting to me that in some ways death is still the mercy of God so that we wouldn't have to live in this body and 
get old and decrepit and walk around with a walker for the rest of our life, right? So in some ways, it's God's mercy that we only live 70 years instead of 1,000 years or whatever. 1,009, death is transformed by Christ. Jesus, the Son of God, also himself suffered the death that is part of the human condition. Yet, despite his anguish as he faced death, he accepted it in an act of complete and free submission to his Father's will. The obedience of Jesus has transformed the curse of death into a blessing. So when water is poured upon our heads or a child's head, this is a sign of our entry into the death of Jesus. And it's only through, the, through our entry into the death of Jesus that our death begins to have life in a sense and begin to make sense. In that moment, we are initiated into the life of Christ. The death and baptism we experience is not a death into nothingness, but a death unto ourselves so that we may rise in Christ. This death unto ourselves is the part that is a little more difficult. As Jesus has taken on our human flesh and all things but sin, he takes on death as well. This gives death meaning. It is only through death that we may enter into eternal life. So it's, uh, it's this daily dying to ourselves that we daily enter into the death of Christ. And it's through those little deaths, that little fasting from uh, that second piece of cake, or even fasting at every meal from even small things, even like it's weird, but when I was in Focus, they talked about even fasting from things like salt, putting salt and pepper on your food. You know, just little fasts that nobody can see that yeah. only you know that you're doing, that you're offering to God. It may not be huge, but it's still a fast and still a, mm-hmm. a suffering of sorts in order to uh, in order to be better, in order to grow in virtue. And so if you can grow in virtue in those small ways, it's going to help you in the bigger ways as well. Yeah, I think you mentioned uh, – so. In dying to ourselves, as you mentioned the YOLO culture a couple years ago, uh, and then you said remembering our mortality. Yeah. Uh, I think that has a big – the two play into each other because, especially for young men, you'll know this, um, which is probably why young men's um, insurance rates are higher than <laughs> right. young ladies, is because we take more risks, um, especially yeah. like physical risks. We, we think we need to chase that high. But then also we, we have a Superman mentality, at least for me, it was, I'm, no, I'm not a big guy. I didn't think I was stronger than everybody or anything. But the Superman mentality is basically this from about, I don't know, 16 to 20 some, maybe 20. 223 somewhere in there yeah you knew you could get hurt but it really wasn't it wasn't a thought it was it was never a you know this could kill me this could severely hurt me um and that uh, that spills over into the spiritual life with the yolo is yeah well i'll I'll have time to uh, i'll have time to change when i'm 25 30 35 years old um and and so that that i think is important yeah actually that was the next thing i was going to talk about awesome Um, holy spirit thank you that's right go for it so uh so yes although although we know that we are going to die and although we know all of this stuff although while we are alive we have to learn how to live well instead of living for that high we have to learn how to live so that we live die well as well right yeah this means living in accord with the will of god which simply stated is love of God and love of our neighbor, rooting out our sins that prevent us from loving God and loving our neighbor. Living well will then prepare us for dying well. It is in dying well that we prepare for eternal life. When we are alive, we learn to live for eternity, so at the moment of death, we may, in a sense, welcome death in order to live in eternity. You know, that YOLO mentality is, is really the mentality of living for 70 years. I'll, con- I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be faithful when I get older. Yeah. The reality is, is, as we see people your and I's age who say that or said that, they're not becoming faithful. Yeah. They're continuing to seek something else that they hope to find pleasure in. 
and uh, and so they're not coming back to church. And um, and even even after COVID, you know, we see lots of people that just realized church just really wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. And now that we've been given given permission not to come, we're just not going to come because yeah. we did three months without it. And I don't I didn't need it during those three months, and I, now I don't need it now. So why why yeah. come back? So but but we still have to uh, prepare for death. And not just YOLO, but uh, not just you only live once, but actually live for, live for death, and not not in a morbid sense, in the in the sense that, well, I'm, like Eeyore, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna die someday, okay. I might as well, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> okay, uh, but uh, uh, but living in the sense of living the life that God has created us for, and fulfilling His will the best that we can, and uh, living for that freedom that He has created us in, it's a it's a beautiful thing. The purpose of humanity, according to the Baltimore Catechism, do you know what it is? What the Baltimore Catechism says, the purpose of human, I humanity. I do not. I'm a convert after <laughs> the Baltimore Catechism, so, so to, I have to, not memorized it all. That, that should be a question for uh, a trivia question. <laughs> There's so be. many people that could answer it. The purpose is to know, love, and serve God in this world. Oh, I should have known that. Oh, yeah. Yes, I it's, did it's know like the first. It's like yes. one of the first questions in the Catechism, <laughs> the Baltimore Catechism. To know, love, to know, love, and serve God in this world is that we may spend eternity with him. So we ought to pray for a happy death in order to receive what God has planned for us in eternity. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. Father Brian will be back to talk about what is a happy death in the second half of this show. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Brian Locker. Living to Die. Cody Marincer conducts the interview. So, next question is, what's a happy death? Father Wade Menezes brings this out in his book, and I think these are the, kind of the five things uh, that we should live for to have a happy death. Number one is to die in a state of sanctifying grace. So that means to die of repented mortal sin. So going to confession, making sure that we have no mortal sin on our soul through, through the sacrament. Number two, to receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick in our, if our death is preceded by an illness. You know, if, if we die suddenly, obviously, that's not always yeah. uh, possible. Uh, to receive holy viaticum. People might want to think of that one. That is one's <laughs> final holy communion. <laughs> So, um, you, know, you know, it's interesting, though, with Holy Viaticum, it's very rare that that happens anymore because most people, by the time that we're asked to anoint them, can't take anything by mouth. Gotcha. And, uh, and so Holy Viaticum actually is uh, more rare than, than what one would think. Thank you, Father. Back to it. Uh, fourthly, to have the prayers of commendation for the dying prayed over us, which are actually uh, the prayer of commendation begins, uh, go forth, Christian soul. Um, it's a beautiful prayer to be able to pray. And finally, to have received the apostolic pardon, uh, which can, confers a plenary indulgence on us, provided we are open to this great grace. So when we go in to do the anointing on someone, typically, like I said, they're not speaking. They're usually not talking. Usually they're, uh, they can't receive anything in their mouth. And so, um, so what, I, what I will usually do, every anointing always comes with a, if there's an opportunity for confession, always give people the opportunity to go to confession. But there's always still an examination of conscience. 
and we know that people can hear us uh, even when they're laying on their bed and they're not responding and they still hear us and so I will always go up to them and tell them like think of all of your sins anything that you haven't confessed that needs to be confessed I'm going to give you the apostolic pardon and it's a great grace to be able to have the priest on your bedside to be able to pray this prayer over you which which says something to the extent of by the authority that the apostolic see has given me I absolve you of all of your sins and all of your punishment due to sin in this life. And so it's a plenary indulgence on your deathbed, which is a straight shot to heaven. Of course, our souls have to be prepared to receive that. Yeah. And so, uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal gift that God gives us through the, through the church to that, be able to have that. That is, and I hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm going to derail our conversation really okay. quickly because I, you can handle it. <laughs> um, I, I actually have a little bit of the good jealousy uh, for priests, there is a good jealousy, you know, um, where um, I desire to have that um, because that person has it and it's a beautiful gift. Yeah. And I want that too. The, the good jealousy I have is um, you guys are like superheroes to me because as a, now don't let your head get any bigger. Um, but but um, because, you know, to have a gift um, where you can literally, because of Christ's authority flowing through you, he is forgiving sins through you. That is a that's like the biggest superpower, right. and so for you, maybe if you could tell us, that's got to be an amazing. As you're talking about a beautiful death, I'm sure you've seen beautiful deaths where you where where you could see somebody passed away peacefully in the sure. peace of Christ. Could, no, normally, when I get called, the person is laying there, and, and I haven't been spending a lot of time with them, and uh, and and they're on their you know they're close to death is normally when I get called. Not always. But the family or the doctors and nurses will almost 100% of the time talk about how they are restless. Priest comes in, mm-hmm. prays the anointing of the sick, and then, be, then they become rested mm-hmm. and peaceful. Their body changes after the priest comes in. I've even, uh, I've even heard of stories and even experienced it in my life that I've walked into a room. This person hasn't been awake for a while, hasn't, haven't, hasn't had their eyes open for a while, and they say, Father is here, and they will open their eyes, and they wow. will recognize, not, not, me, not me, Brian, but they will recognize the priest is here. They recognize who the priest is. The presence of Christ. Absolutely. And God gives them that grace in that moment to be alert enough to be able to receive uh, what they need to receive at that moment. That is awesome. And so I, I, I've, I've heard of stories of, of other priests have talked about how people were, hadn't been responsive for days, and they literally woke up and had conversations. When the priest walked into the room, he anointed them, heard their confession, gave them the sacraments, and then the priest left. They had about an hour with their family, and then they went back to being non-responsive and then eventually died. Wow. But it was when the priest walked into the room. Yeah. It wasn't anyone else. And so uh, I have not seen anything that dramatic, um, but even just the little bits of just the peacefulness that, that comes in. Yeah. Um, at that moment of the anointing is just tremendous. And so so that grace of that happy death that we are, are meant to pray for through the intercession of St. Joseph, who is the patron of the happy death, something that we should constantly be praying for. Yeah. So That is a wonderful one. Um, St. Joseph is yeah. uh, one of my go-to saints. Should be everybody. Yeah. And also the, the grace of uh, wearing the scapular and being faithful to the prayers of the scapular. Yeah. Uh, the grace of, of that and the gift of that is, uh, is having a priest at your bedside. That is fantastic. When you're dying. You know, what, one final thing about death, um, and, and I think this, this, this is a reminder that, that we don't have a good understanding of the body and the soul as Catholics or as, or as people. Because so many times you'll see or you'll hear people talk about heaven gaining a new angel. Oh, yeah. No, Not. heaven doesn't gain a new angel in that <clears throat> moment. 
God didn't come to take on angelic bodies. He already has mm-hmm. an, he already has a fully spiritual body. Um, he, can, he takes on human flesh, and he redeems human flesh. He doesn't, you know, the angels make an eternal choice. Humans, we get to try again and try again and try again until the day that we die. That's what Christ redeems. And so that's something that we need to just stop saying yeah. because it's not true. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, and it's, not, it, it's actually kind of below our dignity in some ways. So, yes, we are below the angels here on earth. But because we are united to Christ and Christ has united himself to us, we become, in a sense, higher than the angels. And we become, you know, as, as uh, Dr. Uh, Matthew was talking about, uh-huh. we become deified. <clears throat> yep. What a, what a tremendous gift. And, and, and that deification is kind of theology that we don't talk about much in the Catholic Church because it's, it's hard to understand. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's understandable. <laughs> but, that, uh, but that's exactly what heaven is for us. Jesus goes and takes our humanity. Our humanity in his resurrection is sitting at the right hand of the Father. We are united to that. And he ri- raises us to that dignity. So we don't become angels. We become, our souls go to heaven, and our bodies are reunited after the general judgment, which I'll talk about here in a second. And I so. think that's um, a good point to remember because there have been plenty of thinkers within the church that have said, this may be one of the reasons why Satan rebelled. Right, absolutely. Yeah, because he saw what was going to happen. He saw these humans who... Uh, Look at those weird-looking creatures. Yeah, I think the way that I heard it from others uh, was these people who eat and who poop and burp <laughs> and do all these gross things are going to be raised higher than me. I don't think so. Yeah, and and yeah, and that's one of the reasons that they that they rebelled. And uh, so yeah, um, but anyway. So what what happens after death? Judgment. Judgment is the next, uh, the second aspect of of the four last things. We, we die. And we immediately go to our judgment. And there's two types of judgment. There's particular judgment and general judgment. Uh, particular judgment is the judgment that we receive at the moment that we die. So our soul goes before God in order to be judged. And it is judged according to merit, right? According to our works. Yeah. And so the, the particular judgment, as the Catechism Glossary says, it's eternal retribution received by each soul at the moment of death in accordance with the person's faith and works. So if in that moment we are judged for hell, we go to hell at that moment. There is no, there's no timeline. If we're judged for heaven, if we are in repented mortal sin, and we have, uh, and all of our temporal punishment due to sin has been uh, purified and cleansed, we go immediately to heaven as yeah. well. And, and some of the saints experienced that. You know, some of the saints went to heaven right away. And some of us go to heaven right away. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of, think of the elderly who are faithful their entire life and uh, suffer towards the end of their life. Yeah. They do their penance here on earth, and so they go straight to heaven. Yeah. We can't say that about everybody. Uh, the majority of, of us will probably go to purgatory, and that's, that's that time needed in order to work off that uh, that temporal punishment due to sin, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Okay. So then general judgment is God's triumph over the revolt of evil after the final cosmic up- upheaval of this passing world. Preceded by the resurrection of the dead, it will coincide with the second coming of Christ in glory at the end of time, disclose good and evil, and reveal the meaning of salvation history and the providence of God by which justice has triumphed over evil. And that's also, again, from the glossary of the, in the catechism. So... The general judgment is the resurrection of the dead. It's when Jesus comes again, the world ends, and all of our bodies are united to our souls once again. And th- this, is, this is something that, uh, that I think is tremendous. We are not full in heaven yeah. just as a soul. Um, we need our bodies to be full. Exactly. And so, uh, so, yes, are we experiencing the glory of heaven in our soul? Yes, we are. 
but we are not fully who we are without our body. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think I fully realized that until I was kind of reading through this stuff and doing, and, and doing some studying for, uh, for my homilies in, in November. And it's just like, that's so true. Like, our body is kind of an expression of our soul. That's why we should take care of our body. Yeah. And that's why we do these penances. That's why we kind of uh, do all these things to grow in virtue. But, uh, but, when we, but even when our soul's in heaven, without our soul, it's somewhat incomplete, which is hard, which is probably a little bit her- heretical to say <laughs> because <laughs> heaven is completeness, but there's still something that's missing. And, I understand and what body. you're saying. Yeah. I, I also, uh, in class, I get a lot of questions, you know, about, well, you know, um, you've probably had a lot of questions too. Well, you know, why do we have to do this? You know, um, I, I try to teach my kids at home, put your hands like this when you pray. Right. You know, people can't see me on air, but I'm on YouTube. Maybe yeah. here. Um, Folded hands during prayer. Yeah. And it's because, as you're saying, um, our bodies are the physical expression of our spiritual self. Right. They're not a throwaway thing. Exactly. Um, that was actually a heresy. It was. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, was we, I mean, and actually, uh, Scott Hahn, in Scott Hahn's book, Hope to Die, he talks about that. Okay. He talks about how the body was a throwaway thing, and that's why they burned them. And that's why Christianity fought against cremation for so long. Uh-huh. And then it was and then it was made illegal for centuries. And then it was brought back around uh, the fr- around the French Revolution. It was kind of brought back and then made prominent again. And then the church allowed it in the 60s. It might have been 70s. But uh, the, ch- the church allows it. But Scott Hahn makes a, a point as to why they probably shouldn't have. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, but you have to read his book to read all the points because gotcha. if I say them, I will get them wrong. Gotcha. But, uh, but like I said, the church allows it. So we have, we have to be, be careful with that. But we do have this. But it has been since, since Christ and even the, even the Jews before Christ had great reverence for the body and didn't just burn them and throw them uh-huh. away. Always have had tremendous, tremendous respect for the body. They carried Joseph's bones out of Egypt with him for Pete's sake yeah. and, and buried them. No and, uh, and there was healings that took place because of Elijah. Well, Elijah was taken up into heaven. But his cloak that remained brought about great healing, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so even, even the saints after Jesus, healings have happened from their bodies. And so we have tremendous respect for the bodies. And we want to remember that because our bodies will go to heaven. Uh, or hell. Correct. So, so yes, even with the joys of heaven that our body will experience in hell, we will experience hell in a worse way when our body is rejoined to our soul. And uh, the pain and suffering of hell will become worse than just in our soul. So we have to remember that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive good or evil according to what what he has done in the body. Acts 17, 30, and 31. God commands all men everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. So at the particular judgment, we receive the reward for which we lived in this life. When we unite our life to Christ, we hope to die in Christ in sanctifying grace. Upon particular judgment, we receive immediately heaven or hell. If needed, we receive heaven via purification and purgatory. Purgatory is only about one thing, the need for temporal temporal punishment for already forgiven mortal and venial sin that has not yet been atoned for at the time of death. But if we have already atoned for this temporal punishment, then there is no need to go to purgatory. So that that kind of asks the question, then what is this temporal punishment? If my sins are forgiven, what why do I need this? So temporal punishment is the purification of the unhealthy attachment to creatures. So what happens when we sin, uh, when, especially mortal sin, is that it wounds our soul. 
and the, and the way that I talk about it, and I tell people this in confession, we have this gaping wound in our soul that actually uh, cuts us off from the life of grace with mortal sin, yeah. and it leaves a wound in our soul. And so our soul then has to be healed. So what confession does is confession heals the wound, but there's kind of a scab on it, right? Yeah. I don't know what you call the heat. We always call them scabs. That's kind of, I don't know if that's what everybody calls it. But what do you, what do you put on a wound, an open wound? Neosporin, right? Yeah. It can, and maybe I can't say name brand stuff. Triple antibiotic. <laughs> antibiotic ointment. There you go. Antiseptic. <laughs> but uh, but you put that on the wound in order to heal it, to help it heal. And I see that that antiseptic, that antibiotic, as as kind of a penance, right? To help heal that wound. And so uh, so what happens in our life is we need to keep doing that healing to in order to heal the wound from our sin that that sin has caused. Yeah. And that's that temporal punishment. Another example that people like to use is, for instance, if you and I, when we were kids, were throwing a baseball back and forth. Yeah. And, uh, and you're a horrible thrower. I've seen you throw. No, I'm joking. I've never seen Cody throw. <laughs> really not that good. But, <laughs> but, uh, but Cody throws the ball, and it goes into our neighbor's window and breaks the window. And we're like, oh, no. And so we go and we apologize. Uh, and and so we and they give us forgiveness, but it doesn't fix the broken window. Exactly. And so the window still has to be fixed. So we have to go and we have to do, uh, we have to sell lemonade at a lemonade stand or whatever. We have to go rake leaves or whatever, and um, and do this work to gain money to pay to fix that window. And uh, and so that's that's kind of what that's kind of what temporal punishment is. It's it's our sin is forgiven, yes, but it leaves a wound in our soul that has to be healed because we are not made perfect because it's created this attachment. To material things, and we can have a we can have an attachment to people on Earth oh, yeah. that can be problematic. Um, we can have an, atti- an, t- an attachment to uh, cookies, <laughs> yeah. or or cake, or or uh, or any kind of sin. Uh, we can have an attachment to certain pleasures in in this life that we have to overcome those attachments because we have to be made perfect for heaven. The only way that we can get into heaven is to be perfect. Um, Jesus says, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." Heaven only has perfection. That's the only thing it can have. And so if we are not yet perfect, we cannot get into heaven. So purgatory is that process of being purified and made perfect so that we can enter into eternal life. Yeah. So, Just so. as you said that, um, you know, putting antiseptic on it, mm-hmm. um, you know, that burns sometimes. It does. Yeah. Um, purgatory may burn a little bit. Not may. But it's I mean, gonna, the saints have talked about it will be painful. True. Uh, and ju- just like suffering in this life is painful yep. and it hurts. It, Purgatory will hurt. I actually heard so. one. Um, I think it was from a saint. Um, you can tell me if um, <clears throat> I'm wrong here. Uh, but um, I, I heard a quote once that said, um, the pains of purgatory um, will be as hot as the pain, as the, or the fires in purgatory will be as hot as the flames in hell, but they'll be endurable because you know you are headed for hmm. bliss with God. Interesting. So, yeah. anyway, j- at least a thought. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good thought. We need to move on because we're running out of time. Yes. But, uh, so then the general, general judgment. Uh, the prophets have foretold two comings. This is from St. Justin Martyr. The prophets have foretold two comings of Christ. The one which has already taken place was that of a dishonored and suffering God-man. The other coming will take place as it is predicted when he shall gloriously come from heaven with his angelic army. When he shall also raise to life the bodies of all the men that ever were, shall cloak the worthy with immortality, and shall relegate the wicked, I mistyped something, something to sensible pain for all eternity, <laughs> into the eternal fire with evil demons. So, uh, so yeah, so there, there's the two comings of Christ, and that's what Advent's all about, right? And is preparing for the coming of Christ now, but also at the end of time as well. So, 
at the general judgment, all will be laid bare. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ugly. The good, the sins of commission, and the sins of om- omission for all to see. And I'm not sure what that means, because if, if our sins are forgiven, then and God kind of looks past our sins. But uh, So I, I'd be interested to hear someone talk more about that a little bit, to talk about how our sins are revealed to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because a lot of times we talk about the absolution of, of sins and confessions, them wiping out God. You know, yeah. does away with them. So I'd have to say that a little bit more. But So the last judgment will come when Christ returns in glory. Only the Father knows the day and the hour. So all these people that try and predict the end times. Yeah, I know. Notice Je- they've all been wrong. Yeah, right. Jesus says only he doesn't even know, right, yeah. in, in his humanity. He doesn't know. Only the Father knows. Only he determines the moment of its coming. Then through the Son, Jesus Christ, he will pronounce the final word on all history. We shall know the ultimate meaning of the whole work of creation. This is what I look forward to. We shall know the ultimate meaning of the whole work of creation and of the entire economy of salvation and understand the marvelous ways by which his providence led everything towards its final end. The last judgment will reveal that God's justice triumphs over all the injustices committed by his creatures and that God's love is stronger than death. That's from paragraph 1040 in the Catechism. It's going to be a wonderful day to find out. Yeah. To see God's plan. No kidding. Um, and to have all that, the fullness of knowledge as God allows us to know that. So that's why I broke my foot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That'll be, uh, be interesting. So, okay. So, and then, and then so getting, getting to heaven, uh, talking about heaven. It's important for us to talk about heaven. I've heard it said that we don't talk enough about heaven in homilies as priests and, uh, and don't encourage enough people to live for heaven. And so they're probably right. Probably in my own life, I probably talk about hell more than heaven, trying to instill some sort of fear of hell. But I think there's a healthy dose of both mm-hmm. that we need to hear. So Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 9 and, 10, 9 and 10 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness of life in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. So it's in Christ that we experience eternal life, and we can only experience eternal life with Christ because he has taken on our human flesh. Oh, what a gift. Uh, What a gift. St. Robert Bellarmine. If you are wise, then know that you have been created for the glory of God and your own eternal salvation. This is your goal. This is the center of your life. This is the treasure of your heart. If you reach this goal, you will find happiness. If you fail to reach it, you will find misery. So I I think it's just a reminder to us that we need to live a life of virtue. And every every day needs to be living for heaven. Too often... We get sucked into this idea that only today matters and, and I'll fix it tomorrow. But we don't know what the next moment's going to bring. Yeah. You know, I, I think of, as I get older, actually, I, I think about this. I'm 40 years old, and I think about the fact that I could have a heart attack and die tomorrow. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's very possible. Uh, you know, there's people younger than me that that's happened, or, or a blood clot, yeah. you know. Uh, somehow I have a blood clot. Uh, I have a bruise, and a blood clot breaks loose, and it goes to my brain, and it kills me. You know, it could happen tomorrow or when I'm driving home or whatever. And so we don't know when that moment is going to be. And so that particular judgment and that coming of Christ that we talk about at Advent happens now. And we have to be prepared for that second and that minute. And we don't know when that's going to be. And uh, and that's the thing that's frightening. That that could scare us yeah. if we're not living our life for Christ, if we're not living our life for yeah. God. If we're living our life for God, then we welcome it. And, and we look forward to it. I think I forget the saint that we celebrated not too long ago, but the quote goes something to the effect that I don't desire to not live, but I also look forward to dying. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was some saint, saint Martin or something like that that we celebrated. And, and that's not 
he said it in a much better way. But but we live this world that in this world that God has given us. We and we experience this beauty of the of this world that God has given us. But we also look forward to death and we look forward to heaven when all this pain and suffering goes away. When all of this stuff goes away. And I think I kind of want to close with uh, with this last thing that uh, that St. Thomas Aquinas talks about. And he talks about the characteristics of the risen body. Okay. Do you know these? I don't. Okay. The characteristics of the risen body, there's four of them. There's impassibility, subtility, agility, and clarity. I'm just going to read this. This is It's from St. Thomas Aquinas. Father Wade Meniz uh, writes about it in his book. So I'm encouraging you to buy Scott Hahn's book, Hope to Die, and um, Father Wade Meniz's book, The Four Last Things. Uh, tremendous books. I think it's good for us all to think about it. So what will our body experience uh, in eternal life? So, actually, he gets it from uh, Ludwig Ott, uh, from his book, Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma. But he also quotes, I read it somewhere else, and it's St. Thomas Aquinas who brings it out. So, impassibility. This means that the body is incapable of suffering or dying. So, when our body rises from the dead, we can no longer suffer. That is, inaccessibility to physical evils of all kinds, such as sorrow, sickness, and death. The book of Revelation tells us, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there, will, there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. At the resurrection, when the soul and body reunite, the way in which one's form will attach itself to one's matter will be such that immortality and impassibility will take effect. Subtility regards the human person's spiritualized nature or the resurrection of the body. Subtility is not to be conceived as a transformation of the body into a spiritual essence or as a refinement of the matter into an ethereal body. The archetype of the spiritualized body is the risen body of Christ. So we become like Christ's body that he showed to his apostles. The Gospel of St. John tells us clearly that Jesus came and stood in their midst, although the doors were locked. I kind of look forward to passing through doors, right? <laughs> so that would be pretty cool. Uh, but also, you know, Jesus still had his wounds. Yeah. Um, so agility is the capability of the body to obey the soul with the greatest ease and speed of movement. We can see this in the risen body of Christ who appeared and disappeared from the midst of his apostles. So as soon as you can think it, yeah. it happens. Like super cool. Yeah. I look forward to that too. <laughs> real superpowers. We, yeah, real we'll superpowers. That's right. That's right. This is, this is heaven. In clarity, means that the glorified body is free from everything deformed and filled with beauty and radiance. Jesus himself teaches this when he states, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The prophet Daniel also touches on this truth. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So I just love those four characteristics of the body. I, like I said, yeah. I didn't really know about them until I started doing this research and started looking into this. And so I think to kind of close out, I think it's important for us to really think about death. There's that phrase that kind of became popular a couple of years ago, uh, memento mori. Oh, yeah. Remember your death. Remember death. Uh, and, and to re- remember it not in a morbid way, but to remember that we will die. And uh, every day that we live, we are preparing for that moment of our death. Yep. And, and how we live is how we will die. If we live away from God uh, while we are alive, we will be away from him when we die. If we live for God and in God, then we will live with him and in him when we die. And that's the important thing. And when we are with him and in him, then we'll be judged for eternal life and we will experience heaven and we'll have all those cool gifts, right? Wonderful. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Double-Edged Sword, Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture. Would you like to hear your business or service right here as an underwriter for this Double-Edged Sword show? Your underwriting would run three times with this show and the show runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. 
You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM, Lindsborg, Salina, 105.7 KMDG, Hayes, 88.1 KRTT, Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM, Hayes. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. (laughs) 